take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. Spanning the continent to bring you the truth about cannabis and marijuana law reform. I smoke pot and I like it a lot. CannabisRadio.com presents The Russ Belleville Show The voice of the marijuana nation Hey, this is great, man Now, here's your host Radical Russ Belleville Good day, tokers and toquettes And non-toking lovers of liberty It is Tuesday, November 22nd, 2016 And it's got to be 420 Somewhere in the world Welcome to the show, and for you history buffs out there, this of course is the anniversary, the, uh, oh, do the math in your head, Russ, 53rd anniversary of the assassination of President John F. Kennedy. Uh, No reason to bring that up, aside from the fact it reminds me of my friends out there at DFW Normal. This last Halloween weekend, we were marching from the JFK Memorial to the Dealey Plaza, where we uh, smoked weed. We actually smoked grass on the grassy knoll. Uh, so there's your history buff uh, anniversary tie-in for the day. And uh, it was it's quite the uh, historical monument. There's actually an X in the road there where the bullet hit President Kennedy. You, you can actually stand on the spot where Kennedy was killed. Uh, as long as the traffic's not coming. you got to be careful about that. Anyway, we've got a great show coming up for you today on the Russ Belleville Show live on CannabisRadio.com. That's right. If you're tuning in on Cannabis Radio or iHeartRadio or any of our outlets, we are live every weekday from 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific time, coming to you from Delta 9 Studios here in beautiful legal potland, Oregon. It's our new studios. We have to update some of our intros and our jingles to reflect that, but yeah, Spent all last week moving in, and the studio is awesome. And that leads me to some good news for some longtime fans out there. Uh, you know I used to do this show uh, on YouTube as well. Uh, not a serious video production, just basically a webcam showing me doing the show. I think I'll be able to go back to that now. Uh, I'm aiming for the beginning of next year, 2017, to bring the Russ Belleville Show live back to YouTube I might do it on both YouTube and Facebook Live as well. I, I still got to put together some computers and some more infrastructure to make sure that's possible. But if it's possible, I'm going to do it. We'll be back on video. So look forward to that in 2017. We'll also have uh, the Radical Rust website back up in 2017 with all sorts of great new VIP features. So uh Stay tuned for that. Things are developing as we speak. Now, on today's show, we've got all sorts of stuff to bring to you, including our cannabis radio news in the headlines today. We've got news about the New York Police Department and uh, how they are arresting more people for marijuana. The Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearms want to make clear that uh, potheads, you can't have guns. Sorry, no Second Amendment rights for you. We'll take a look at Little Rock, Arkansas, where they're also increasing their marijuana arrests and a report on the U.S. Postal Service and how they're handling packages full of weed. Also coming up on the show in our Behind the Headlines segment, we're going to talk about a statement by Donald Trump, uh, the president-elect, that um, it's got got me thinking of another president uh, who had to resign in disgrace. Maybe we can... We can hope for that kind of resignation, although 
the guy who would take over is probably worse, uh, Vice President Pence. But anyway, we'll get to that behind the headlines and uh, give you a little history lesson about the previous president who had this kind of Trumpian attitude. In Drug War Data Mining today, uh, we'll take a look at the marijuana states of America, those that have passed marijuana reforms, and compare and contrast that with the initiative process. A lot of states don't have initiatives, and we'll show how we're going to have to move forward in reform in the legislative states. In our activist agenda, I'm going to talk about the war between booze and weed reflected in Denver's social use uh, regulation that was announced yesterday. And in the Radical Rant, we'll talk about those weed and weapons. Why isn't the NRA standing up for the Second Amendment rights of legal cannabis consumers? One out of five Americans just lost their Second Amendment rights if they choose to legally smoke weed. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Earn your Ph.D. in THC monetization with CannabisRadio.com. Don't be late. (sighs) Cash? Sorry. I don't carry around cash, and I don't want to use the ATM and pay surcharges. You don't need to carry cash. Haven't you heard about PayQuick? Okay, tell me about PayQuick. It's the safe and easy way to pay. It works just like your debit card to securely pay for your purchase, and it gives you rewards points every time you use it. Nice. PayQuick, the safe and easy way to pay. P-A-Y-Q-W-I-C-K dot com. Previously on the Stoner Jesus Show. We do have John Magnavik. He's running for the Libertarian Party nomination for president. What makes someone like you want to take the reins of this? We're so far behind. It's frightening. And in a cyber war, we can't hack into the Chinese. Back in 1979, they started building cyber defense systems. We didn't even think about it until 20 years ago. I've seen no candidates and certainly no one within government capable of dealing with this issue. The Stoner Jesus Show, live Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Or find the Stoner Jesus Show podcast on demand at CannabisRadio.com and StonerJesus.net. Peace, bitches. The Russ Belleville Show. Providing dictionaries to drug czars since 2009. It's time for the Cannabis Radio News. Covering the latest headlines in consumer cannabis, medical marijuana, and industrial hemp. Cannabis Radio News is now available exclusively at CannabisRadio.com. Now your marijuana headlines in 4 minutes and 20 seconds. This is Cannabis Radio News. 
This is your Cannabis Radio News for Tuesday, November 22nd, 2016. The Federal Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms and Explosives is making the ban on gun sales to marijuana consumers even more explicit. The Gun Control Act of 1968 makes it illegal for any federally licensed gun dealer to sell firearms or ammunition to an, quote, unlawful user of or addicted to any controlled substance, end quote. Second Amendment challenges to this ban by a lawful medical marijuana user in Nevada were rejected in August by the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. The court unanimously agreed that marijuana use, quote, raises the risk of irrational or unpredictable behavior with which gun use should not be associated, end quote. Now the ATF is releasing a new version of the federal firearms transaction record. Its current question, quote, are you an unlawful user of or addicted to marijuana or any depressant, stimulant, narcotic drug, or any other controlled substance, end quote, is now followed by, quote, Warning, the use or possession of marijuana remains unlawful under federal law, regardless of whether it has been legalized or decriminalized for medicinal or recreational purposes in the state where you reside. Lying on that form is considered a federal felony. Little Rock Police Department data shows police have made more misdemeanor marijuana arrests in 2016 compared to any of the previous four years. As of November 9th, Little Rock Police have made 225 arrests in which misdemeanor marijuana possession was the only violation. That's a 95% increase compared to the number of arrests in 2012, the Arkansas Democrat Gazette reported. Police spokesman Lieutenant Michael Callahan said it's different difficult to point to a cause of why police have made more arrests in which misdemeanor possession of marijuana is the only violation, but an increased police presence in some high-crime areas could be contributing to the higher number of arrests. He said the violation is often found during traffic stops or during the course of investigating another crime. State's State law in Arkansas says that a person can be arrested on a misdemeanor charge for possessing less than four ounces of marijuana, facing up to one year in jail, along with a fine of up to $2,500. A new report is critical of how the U.S. Postal Service is handling packages suspected to contain marijuana. 7,990 mailed packages containing marijuana were intercepted by the U.S. Post Office in 2014, down from 9,100 in 2013. A recent audit was conducted in which auditors looked at what safeguards are in place to prevent postal employees from stealing packages that have been identified as containing marijuana. At one facility, management was unable to explain why a cage used to store suspected pot mail had its lock broken. At another, the suspect packages were left in an unlocked office. At a third, they sat unguarded on a table. The audit comes amid high-profile instances of postal workers stealing drug mail. An Illinois postal worker was charged with knowingly delivering pot mail in September, busted by a tip to the Postal Inspector General. In May, two workers were charged with stealing drugs from at least 16 packages at Chicago's O'Hare International Airport. And in the nation's capital, three workers were accused in August of taking bribes to deliver pot. In 2014, the New York Police Department and Mayor Bill de Blasio announced that New York City would punish marijuana possession with a ticket instead of an arrest. New York City... New York City was considered to be the arrest capital for marijuana, peaking at over 50,000 arrests per year. The shift towards decriminalization resulted in an immediate drop in arrests. However, the number of people arrested for marijuana in New York has increased in the last year. Citing statistics from the state's criminal justice department, the Police Reform Organizing Project says the NYPD made nearly 14,000 marijuana arrests in the first nine months of 2016. That's a 12% increase from the same time last year, and 90% of the those arrested were people of color. 
Vice News reports that the Canadian government is slashing the limit on how much veterans can be prescribed under federal rules, from 10 grams per day to just three, and putting a hard cap on how much marijuana should cost at $8.50 a gram. That brings the rules in line with Health Canada recommendations and may help curb runaway costs for the Veterans Affair Canada Drug Insurance Program. Vice News wrote last week that the program was facing staggering cost overruns. This has been your Cannabis Radio News for Tuesday, November 22nd, 2016. I'm Russ Belville. Forwarding the cause of legalization and research of the growing cannabis industry, one podcast at a time. The Cannabis Radio Network. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. It's time for Cannabis Facts about teen drug use from Robert Platchorn's thesilvertour.org. This message is supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at hempinc.com. A recent survey by the U.S. Centers for Disease Control indicates that in states that have legalized medical marijuana, the rate of marijuana consumption among high school students has not increased. In fact, in legal states like Colorado, teen use has actually decreased significantly. It's simply no longer a big deal for teenagers in legal states. This was Cannabis Facts from the Silvertour.org, an educational nonprofit supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at hempinc.com. You're tuned into the Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation, only on cannabisradio.com. New beginner guitars and banjos are often constructed much better than ones built before your time. Why struggle? Get a new instrument or fix the old one. The trusted professionals at the Fingerboard Extension will evaluate your instrument for free. Repairs are priced for people who work for a living. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. The world of cannabis is evolving at a frenetic pace. The Russ Belleville Show gets behind the headlines to take a deeper look at breaking news in our Cannabis Focus. Today in the Cannabis Focus, we kind of take a look away from cannabis in this story, but it could have a significant impact on how we view the incoming administration of Donald J. Trump. And uh, for this, I want to remind folks that we had previously had a president who thought himself above the law, who thought that he could use the presidency as his own personal vessel of power, and that president was Richard M. Nixon. And I was reminded of Nixon today. You remember Nixon, right? I'm not a crook. 
I've earned everything I've got. Nixon, of course, is the president who actually declared war on you and I as cannabis consumers. We must wage what I have called total war against public enemy number one in the United States, the problem of dangerous drugs. So in this, we're talking about Donald Trump and some recent remarks that he made, and it had to do with a golf course that he owns in Scotland. And around or near this golf course, they were planning to put in some wind farms. And this is according to the New York Times. They reported, when President-elect Donald J. Trump met with British politician Nigel Farage, Farage, I'm not sure how it's pronounced, in recent days, he encouraged Mr. Farage and his entourage to oppose the kind of offshore wind farms that Mr. Trump believes will mar the pristine view from one of his two Scottish golf courses, according to one person present. The meeting, held shortly after the presidential election, raises new questions about Mr. Trump's willingness to use the power of the presidency to advance his business interests. Mr. Trump has long opposed a wind farm plan near his course in Aberdeenshire, and he previously fought unsuccessfully all the way to Britain's highest court to block it. He did not say he hated the wind farms as a concept. He just did not like them spoiling the views, said Andy Wigmore, the media consultant who was present at the meeting and was photographed with Mr. Trump. So Trump tried to oppose this, took it to court, took it to British highest court, couldn't get it stopped to block the view from his golf course. So he was asked by an editor. He had this meeting with the editors and reporters of the New York Times. And this was just uh, yesterday or just today, I believe. And when asked, because he just recently visited with Farage again, now that he's president-elect, and they asked him, well, did you bring up the wind farm thing? Did you bring up that issue with the golf courses? And according to Maggie Haberman, who writes for the New York Times, uh, Trump responded, quote, I might have brought it up, end quote. Well, how much does that change the equation there, right? You sued Britain all the way to the highest court, couldn't stop the wind farms, but now you're president and you get to bring it up. Clearly a conflict of interest and and, and just admitting it right there to a New York Times reporter. Now, the ethics folks, the people at Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington said that he might have brought it up is pretty much an admission of conflict of interest. But here's where things get dicey. Because even if Trump acknowledges this, even if Trump says, yeah, I'm trying to use this to better my own business, the problem is, is that conflict of interest laws don't apply to the president. Did you know this? (laughs) And in fact, Maggie Haberman, again on Twitter, had asked him about this conflict of interest. Trump said, quote, the law is totally on my side. The president can't have a conflict of interest. And that's the quote that just chilled me. The president can't have a, not that the law doesn't apply to him, but that the president can't have a conflict of interest. No, the the law is that you can't be prosecuted for it. (laughs) Not that you can't have one. And it brought to mind this quote from Richard Nixon. Well, when the president does it, that means that it is not illegal. And that's the kind of attitude we're looking at, folks. That's the kind of administration we're going to be dealing with. If you remember the George W. Bush administration, that's when I got my radio start, was doing uh, liberal talk radio during the Bush administration. And one of the things we always pointed out was how 
they had this quote back then of uh, uh, we don't ask permission. We're the actors. We act. And then history, you know, judges us. I can't remember the exact quote, but their attitude was the laws don't apply to us. The, the, the regular ethics don't apply to us because we are like the Blues Brothers. We're on a mission from God <laughs> and they can just do whatever they want. That's the attitude we're going to get from Trump. And I don't think that's a good thing, folks. You're not going to amount to Jack Squat. It's a scary time we're entering. All the rules of decorum and ethics and everything we thought we knew about politics is about to go out the window. We'll see if we uh, how well we get through it. When we come back, we're going to take a look at the marijuana states of America. Who's next to change the laws when we return? Next to THC and CBD, you can now add CBR to your cannabis vernacular. CBR as in CannabisRadio.com. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be. The Vuber way. I'm Radical Russ from the Russ Belleville Show. Good to everybody. Radical Russ here in Aspen, Colorado at the Alaska Northwest Cannabis Classic at the 26th Annual Boston Freedom Rally at the High Times Cannabis Cup Northern California. Day one of Canacon in Seattle, Washington. It's the Russ Belleville Show, the NPR of POT, weekdays live at 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific, exclusively on CannabisRadio.com. Marijuana is not addictive, but listening to the Russ Belleville Show is... At Herbie's Cannabis Seeds, we pride ourselves on bringing you the best quality seeds from the world's most respected cannabis seed producers, all at the lowest online prices. You can find Herbie's Seeds at Herbie'sHeadShop.com. All cannabis seeds are sold as souvenirs and as a means of preserving cannabis genetics. Herbie's Seeds in no way intends to condone, promote, or incite the use of illegal or controlled substances. We strongly urge all prospective customers to check their national laws prior to placing an order. Herbie's Seeds at Herbie'sHeadShop.com. Proud sponsors of The Russ Belville Show and 420 Radio. Promoting the end of adult cannabis prohibition is easy because we have facts, science, reason, compassion, evidence, truth, and logic on our side. It's even easier when researchers catalog it all for us. Learn how to gather the facts on marijuana use, arrests, seizures, rehabs, drug tests, and more on this edition of Drug War Data Mining. Today in the Drug War Data Mines, we want to take a look at the marijuana states of America. And this is a map that I've put together for well, years now where I track what the laws are, the marijuana laws, all across the 50 states and the District of Columbia. And it it has evolved over time because I've kind of grown um, some cynicism toward the typical definitions that are used on these maps. For example, You'll see the map out there that shows 28 medical marijuana states. They'll all be colored green, let's say. Well, to me, that kind of implies that 
California as a medical marijuana state is somewhat similar to a Minnesota as a medical marijuana state. And those states couldn't be any more different in how they deal with medical marijuana. I don't even like to call Minnesota a medical marijuana state because you can't get actual marijuana. You can only get cannabinoid preparations, oils and tinctures and salves and such. To me, if you can't actually get the marijuana, the actual bud, that's not a medical marijuana state. But on most maps, they count that because it's a way people can use cannabis legally. I also don't like the states that don't have home grow being considered equal to the states that do or the states that don't have dispensaries being considered equal to the states that do. So the map that I've made is called the Marijuana States of America, and you can find it online uh, if you search for it or if you can't find it, email me. I'm RadicalRuss at gmail.com, and I'll email you a copy. And what's interesting about it is, is taking a look at how much marijuana reform has depended on the initiative process. And the thing is, is that the initiative process that allows the citizens to be able to put a law on the ballot, whether it be statutory, just a law or a constitutional amendment or both, there's only 24 states that have this power. Now, if you can imagine in your mind, and, and, and I'm reading the chat room, no, it's not <clears throat> not exactly the same as the map on my back. No, it's a little more detailed than that, actually. Uh, but the uh, if you can imagine a map of the United States. Think of just west of Minnesota, right? So you got North Dakota, South Dakota, Nebraska, then cut across to Colorado and then cut across diagonally to to, to, to Arizona, right? From there west are the initiative states, most of them, okay? So you got all the western states, every every state in the Pacific time zone, Alaska, uh, all the Intermountain West, Montana, Idaho, Wyoming, Utah, Colorado, Arizona, they all have initiatives. So you don't find much surprise in the fact that those are the states that have legalized first or have the most uh, uh, patient-friendly medical marijuana laws, other than, of course, Idaho, Wyoming, and Utah. Then there's a few other initiative states that are scattered kind of in the Great Lakes region, uh, Midwest-ish, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Missouri, kind of in that central South area. And then uh, Michigan, Illinois, Ohio. Notice they have marijuana reforms, but the state they surround, Indiana, has none. And then there's only three states, only three states on the East Coast that have the initiative power Maine, Massachusetts, and Florida. And what's similar about those? They have the significant marijuana reforms as well. Oh, and Mississippi, sorry, I forgot Mississippi down there in the deep south as well has the initiative power. So it's no surprise that even you go all the way back to the 70s, when Normal was leading the charge for the first states to decriminalize, Mississippi is one of those states. A lot of people don't know that, but because it had the initiative power. So what's going to happen here as we move into the future and understand that we now live in a country where if there were 20 people. There are 20 people total in the country. Four of them would live in a legal marijuana state. Eight would live in a medical state. Nine would live in a CBD only state. And there'd just be one out of 20 people. Just one out of 20 people live in a state where there's no marijuana reform whatsoever. There's just six states left that don't have medical 
CBD, or legal marijuana, and that's Idaho, South Dakota, Nebraska, Kansas, Indiana, and West Virginia. Now, if you want to take a notch down, Nebraska actually has decriminalization. So if you want to count decrim, now there's only five states where possession of any kind of marijuana in any form by anybody for any purpose gets you jail time. Idaho, South Dakota, Kansas, Indiana, West Virginia. Now, Idaho and South Dakota and Nebraska have the initiative power. So there's some hope there you could pass something. That leaves Kansas, Indiana, and West Virginia as the only states where you are absolutely going to jail for possession of marijuana in any form by anybody for any reason. And there's no citizen initiative to try to fix that. So when it comes down to picking the last states that would ever legalize marijuana, those are the ones I tend to look for because I think citizens initiatives can get past this faster than the politicians can. And another thing to consider in these states that that are lacking medical marijuana, but have the initiative power. So I'm talking, you know, uh, uh, Utah, Wyoming, Idaho, South Dakota, Nebraska. Um, let's see who else we pick on here. Uh, Missouri, right? I feel what we're going to see is what I call the Ohio effect. I think in these states, they're going to get the, the, the feeling that since they're an initiative state, it's just inevitable that someone's going to come along and fund a medical marijuana initiative there. They're the last remaining low-hanging fruit of these initiative states. And so they're going to pressure those legislators to pass some shitty Ohio form of medical marijuana to undercut any support for a citizen's initiative. All right, stay tuned, folks. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we got more here on the Russ Belville Show. We're going to talk about the war between booze and weed. Stick around. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Keep your cannabis cravings under control. Feed your mind with CannabisRadio.com. While the feds and state are doing their dance, you still need to transact business and manage your cash. Go professional and let your customers pay with PayQuick. They pay you and they earn rewards points. PayQuick connects to your bank account for free and secures all of your transactions. And with PayQuick, you can pay your producers and processors for free. Plus, it pays to have it because it makes depositing your cash safe and so easy. No cops, no crooks, just compliance and comfort, knowing you have your cannabis business in check with PayQuick. PayQuick, the safe and easy way to pay. P-A-Y-Q-W-I-C-K dot com. Hey, this is Willie Nelson for Normal. I smoke pot and I like it a lot. I learned a long time ago that marijuana is a lot safer than alcohol. There's nothing wrong with the responsible use of marijuana by adults. It's time we stopped arresting and started respecting those who smoke marijuana responsibly. To learn what you can do to help, contact Normal at NORML.org or call toll-free 888-67-NORMAL. This is the Russ Belleville Show. Annoying Kevin Sabat since 2012. 
Russ Belville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest-growing business association in the fastest-growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years, and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel 1 on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details. Activism begins with ACT. The Rush Belleville Show features the stories of hardworking grassroots activists working for an end to prohibition in today's activist agenda. Today on the Activist Agenda, we take a look at the Denver Social Use Initiative. Activists all over Denver had been working on some form of allowing the cannabis consumers to peaceably assemble, you know, as according to our First Amendment rights, peaceably assemble and uh, enjoy each other's company while smoking some pot. Denver Normal tried this with an initiative they put together, and uh, the social use people did their initiative. It made the ballot, and in this last election, it passed. So what was trailblazing about this social use initiative was that it allowed any business to be able to license the social use of marijuana on its premises. Now, there's still indoor smoking rules, so the smoking would have to be like on an outdoor patio or something. Uh, but vaporization was up for grabs. And it opened up the possibility for all sorts of things, like you know being able to serve medicated uh, desserts in restaurants or being able to have cannabis-infused lotions at a massage uh, therapist or to have a, a hot yoga studio with cannabis vapor piped in. Man, imagine how limber you'd get from that. So the other thing that was pretty landmark about this was it required the assent of a local neighborhood business group, like your, uh, your, your neighborhood association, your business bureau, whatever it might be for that particular neighborhood. So this passed and got us all feeling pretty good about the idea of there being Pot bars, pot lounges, pot cafes, pot coffee houses, pot restaurants, and so forth. Well, no sooner did this thing pass than the bureaucrats that run the liquor in, uh, in Colorado got all up in arms about it. And, and what's got me upset about this is that booze is just going to have to understand that weed is legal now. We're not the ugly stepchild. We're, we're a legal product just like booze. And the people that consume it should be treated equally. No more of this separate but equal stuff when it comes to alcohol and marijuana. Just days after they passed this thing, the, the regulators in Colorado announced a rule that forbids any business that has an alcohol license from even applying to allow cannabis use in its facility. Right? Already, if the neighbors thought that pot at the bar would be a bad idea they could veto it but no we're not going to give the neighborhood a chance to make that decision the regulators just decided for everyone if you got alcohol you can't have cannabis use now these benevolent bureaucrats explained that mixing alcohol and marijuana leads to greater impairment 
And by golly, we must protect the public from the increased danger of stoned drunks. I I just don't get this <laughs> of how people that completely accept alcohol think that marijuana use turns the drunk into something different than he could be if he just got drunker. Right? All this concern about how impaired someone's going to be. Impaired is impaired. If if we've got bartenders at lounges that can understand that we watch the patrons and if they're slurring their words and if they're falling over, we don't serve them anymore and we call them a cab. Why does marijuana change that? How does marijuana change that at all? I mean, we, we got the similar scenario playing out here in Oregon, right? So like all the other legal states, our law forbids the use of cannabis in public because God forbid if the people saw adults smoking pot like they see people drinking wine on some outdoor restaurant patio, why, why they might think that pot smoking isn't some wicked, dirty, disgusting habit only enjoyed by the dregs of society. Soon after our legalization passed, the, uh, the benevolent bureaucrats here decided that any place that has a liquor license is a public place under the law. So even if you went and rented out a hall and covered up all the windows and hold a ticketed private party for just you and one other adult, if that hall has a liquor license, even if there's no liquor on the premises and no liquor being served, just the fact that it has a liquor license, that building is a public place and you can't toke there. So in Portland and in other cities in Oregon and in Washington and up in Anchorage, Alaska and Fairbanks, a couple other places, there arose these BYOB clubs. You'll bring your own buds. So there's no alcohol served. There's not even any marijuana served. It's just a, a private room where adults can gather and enjoy smoking pot with each other. And even that was too much for these responsible regulators to bear. Well, as way too, you're asking too much because in Washington, the legislator, they, they went and passed a law felonizing a cannabis club felony. And, and not just if you intentionally open up Bob's house of buds or whatever, but even if you just have a bar and people are smoking pot in it and, and it happened and you were aware of it and you didn't try to stop it. Felony. <laughs> and in Alaska, the regulators there are cracking down on the, the BYOB social clubs. Now, in Oregon, what they did is they, they shoehorned cannabis smoke and vapor into the state's Clean Air Act. And of course, the Clean Air Act was designed to protect the innocent patrons and workers from choosing to walk into some place where there's smoke and, you know, secondhand tobacco smoke has been scientifically proven to be harmful. Of course, there's no science to back up the idea that secondhand cannabis smoke is harmful. And there's definitely no science on secondhand cannabis vapor being harmful. And if that's not bad enough, these hypocrites, the, the law actually has an indoor tobacco smoking exception for the cigar bars. So there's a written in exception for what the law deems as harmful based on scientific proof, but we don't have the exception for cannabis vapor. And, and don't for a minute think that any of this 
has to do with regulators trying to protect the public from the danger of stoned drunks. Uh-uh, no, sir. This is all about protecting the bar and alcohol industry from the danger of falling profits. First of all, stone drunks have been around bars and restaurants for as long as weed and booze have existed. I played music in bars for 15 years. Did you ever notice how when the band goes on break, there's kind of an exodus for a dark parking lot? I mean, people have been smoking pot at bars for years and years and years. It's just they've been going out, sneaking out to their cars or to some back alley to go get stoned, and then they head back inside for another drink. So don't try and tell me this is about protecting people from impaired drivers. People who want to get drunk and stoned always have been. And they've done so without the watchful eye of a trained server who could track how much they've drank and smoked. And of course, you know my argument about the the valet breathalyzer parking lots, right? I refuse to believe that we're all up in arms about the danger of stone drivers when we trust people to drive to bars, drink, and then judge for themselves whether they're, they're sober enough to get back in the car and drive home. If we were really serious about drunk drivers and impaired drivers, then every bar would come with a fenced-off valet parking, valet breathalyzer parking. You want to park at the bar, you have to hand your keys to the valet, you can go in and drink all you like. When you come back out, that valet doesn't give your keys back until you can blow below a .08. Now, I know people, I've said this to people in the past. They say, well, Russ, all people do just park down the street, park farther away. Will they? I, 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 you know, finding parking in Portland can be kind of difficult. And, uh, well, parking garages, the parking, parking garages. All right, let's make the parking garages have uh, breathalyzers before you can get past that little little arm. How about that? Well, no, everybody thinks that's ridiculous, right? Every time I bring it up, it's like, oh, my God, that's a, that's a crazy infringement. Yes. Yes, it is. So why are we so freaked out about the pot drivers? Because we know that people who smoke pot only are far better drivers than those who drink. So by not allowing pot in the bars, we take away an option that some people might choose. Rather than drinking, they might choose to, to smoke pot. And now we've taken away this option for them that just gives the chance of there being more drunk drivers, not stoned drivers. What this is really about is protecting the profits of the alcohol industry. People who have weed to smoke aren't going to drink as much alcohol. And this influence by big booze is so great They've even got the restaurant industry ignoring the likelihood that weed would probably offer a huge boost to restaurant profits held just off the dessert menu alone. Look, the people of Denver voted for a social use initiative that brings the people out of the alleys and out of the parking lots and back into the venue where trained servers can observe their use and mitigate the effects of overconsumption. Bars and restaurants were what the voters were thinking of much more so than the potential infused massage clinic or vapor yoga class. And, and really, the voters in eight states now have voted to treat marijuana like alcohol. 
And of course, while they're more than willing to adopt that when it comes to the cannabis breathalyzer, yeah, we need to treat marijuana like alcohol. Let's get that breathalyzer. Even though cannabis is nothing like alcohol when it comes to measuring impairment. But if that's the attitude, we got to treat marijuana like alcohol. Great. It's time they recognize that cuts both ways. Our opponents think legalization just means we no longer waste police time dealing with the disgusting, dirty dopers, but everything else remains the same. They they got to stay hidden in the back alleys and garages. Their purchases has to happen where no one can see them. Their legal product can't be seen by the public. No. Treat marijuana like alcohol means ending the double standard that we allow for the most dangerous drug, alcohol, but we forbid for the least dangerous drug, marijuana. For society to continue to allow the public use of, advertising of, and celebration of alcohol while restricting, hiding, and demonizing cannabis is the height of hypocrisy. Speaking of hypocrites, we'll talk about the NRA next. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. From dabs to chivas, sativas to indicas, we roll out a whole concentrate of fresh new content every week. It's like going from the greenhouse to the dispensary. CannabisRadio.com Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now. Bought a game for your phone, gonna make you say, wow! The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put the big celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chichin Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong. The name of the game is him pink, that's the point. Download and play while you light yourself a joint. The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh yeah, get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Get ready to hear something good about cannabis. I give you Jasmine Huff. Tell us a little bit about Jasmine. Give us the good news about how you've gotten to where you are today. Like all good children, I rejected my parents' values and and ran off to become a capitalist in New York City and did a lot of work with an organization called Women 2.0. Looking at the cannabis industry, I said, you know what? Here we have a brand new industry. It's going to be a billion dollar industry. And the rules of who leads this industry and who funds this industry haven't been written yet. Good news, only on CannabisRadio.com. You're listening to Radical Russ on the Russ Belleville Show. New beginner guitars and banjos are often constructed much better than ones built before your time. Why struggle? Get a new instrument or fix the old one. The trusted professionals at the Fingerboard Extension will evaluate your instrument for free. Repairs are priced for people who work for a living. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. We must wage what I have called total war against public enemy number one. I support a change in law to end federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. That marijuana, pot, grass, whatever you want to call it, is probably the most dangerous drug. Some think there won't be room for them in jail. We'll make room. 
I experimented with marijuana a time or two, and I didn't like it and didn't inhale. One major responsibility is to encourage people to use less drugs. Entirely legitimate topic uh, for debate. Radical rant. Today at the rant, I want to talk about weed and weapons. And uh, we'll preface the discussion, of course, by uh, pointing out that I come from Idaho and I come from a family of hunters. In fact, uh, my mom just shot her first four point buck at uh, the age of 69. <laughs> she just done our most recent trips. So he was just uh, happy as hell about that. I'm personally not into the hunting thing. I, you know, animal torture and death isn't a thing that turns me on. But uh, <laughs> I and I phrase it that way and people get pissed off. But come on. Let's let's be honest about why you hunt, right? You like to hunt because killing an animal turns you on. I, I'm not going to stop you from doing it. I think there's a legitimate reason, but don't give me the, oh, we're environmentalists and we're saving the herd. And, and, and come on, you you like to shoot critters and, and, and it makes you feel good. <laughs> and I'm fine with that. I'm, I'm cool with that. Uh, and uh, the other thing, of course, the other animal thing would be like rodeo, right? I always call that animal torture. They hate it when I call it that, but it is, right? You know how they get those bulls to buck, don't you? <laughs> so uh, tell me if you'd like that done to yourself and you wouldn't call it torture. Anyway, I'm getting far afield here. Uh, <laughs> I, I come from a family of hunters. I support absolutely the Second Amendment, the people's right to uh, to bear arms, to keep arms, absolutely. Um, that said, I think the first part means something. The well-regulated militia part means something, but we'll save that discussion for later. Generally speaking, I'm pro-gun. I like guns. I was in the military. Shot them. Love them. So this subject then always, always gets my ire, and it, it shocks me in a lot of ways. And one of the ways it shocks me is that the right-wingers, the gun supporters, don't jump on our side on this one because the federal government under the 1968 Gun Control Act – Specifically, uh, what was it? Uh, I find my list there. Oh, yes. Uh, the specifically federal law 18 U.S. Code Section 922 Paragraph G Line 3 prohibits any person who is an unlawful user of or addicted to any controlled substance as defined in Section 102 of the Controlled Substances Act 21 U.S.C. 802 from shipping, transporting, receiving or possessing firearms or ammunition marijuana is listed in the controlled substances act as a schedule one controlled substance and there are no exceptions in federal law for marijuana purportedly used for medicinal purposes even if such use is sanctioned by state law i'm uh, currently reading to you from the bureau of alcohol tobacco and firearms letter from uh september 21st 2011 they sent this out to the federal firearms dealers because they get, were getting a lot of questions all these people from medical marijuana states are saying, hey, <laughs> uh, I'm not an unlawful user of or addicted to any controlled substance in my state. And so the ATF had to come back and say, uh, yeah, your state can go blow because we're talking federal law. And under federal law, marijuana is not medicine. It's schedule one. And if you're using it and, of course, you having a medical marijuana card says you're using it, uh, then you cannot possess Firearms or ammunition. You cannot buy them, sell them, transport them, ship them, or possess them. 
The letter continues. Further, federal law 18 U.S.C. section 922 D3 makes it unlawful for any person to sell or otherwise dispose of any firearm or ammunition to any person knowing or having reasonable cause to believe that such person is an unlawful user of or addicted to a controlled substance. As provided by 27 CFR section 478.11, quote, an inference of current use may be drawn from evidence of a recent use or possession of a controlled substance or a pattern of use or possession that reasonably covers the present time. So what we're talking about here is the fact that I'm on Instagram smoking joints means I can't possess a gun. Even though I'm smoking that joint in Ashland, Oregon, where it's perfectly legal to do so, I can't possess a gun. I can't possess ammunition. I'm treated right now like felons are treated, despite not committing any crimes. My Second Amendment rights are forfeit because I enjoy a state legal substance. And this inference, this recent use reasonably covers present time. How long does that last? How, 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 how do you judge that someone is now no longer a pot smoker and therefore eligible to possess weapons again? How would you do it? Would a person have to complete a 12-step program or a, a rehab? Or would a certain amount of time be reasonable? Like if the last picture they got of me was smoking weed in Ashland last weekend and I applied next year to get a concealed handgun license, would that year be enough time? Because how do I prove a negative? How do I prove to them that I've not smoked weed in that time? Seems to me that once you've ever smoked pot, it could be questionable If it's known, if it's public, if there's way they can prove it, it seems to me that this reasonable covering of the present time is open to a lot of interpretation. The uh, letter continues by saying, therefore, any person who uses or is addicted to marijuana, regardless of whether his or her state has passed legislation authorizing marijuana use for medicinal purposes, is an unlawful user of or addicted to a controlled substance and is prohibited by federal law from possessing firearms or ammunition. Such persons should answer yes to question 11E on ATF Form 4473, Firearms Transaction Record, and you may not transfer firearms or ammunition to them. Further, if you are aware that the potential transferee is in possession of a card authorizing the possession and use of marijuana under state law, then you have reasonable cause to believe that that person is an unlawful user of a controlled substance. As such, you may not transfer firearms or ammunition to the person, even if the person has answered no to question 11E on ATF Form 4473. All right, so this 4473, this is the form you got to fill out when you're getting a gun, Federal Firearms Transaction Form, and it asks, are you an unlawful user of or addicted to marijuana or any controlled substance, blah, 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 blah. And if you check no on that, and you are a medical marijuana patient, or it can be proven that within a reasonably covered present time that you have possessed or used marijuana, you've just committed a federal felony. It's a federal felony to mischeck that box. And 
Let's say you did mischeck that box and you hand that form over to the federal firearms dealer and he says, ah, cash or credit. And you say, oh, credit. And you pull out your credit card. And while your wallet's open, he can see the top edge of an Oregon medical marijuana card or whatever state you're in. Now that guy has got to cancel the transaction. And I don't know how this works, but does he then have to report you as having just committed federal uh, uh, a lie by lying on that a fraud on that 4473? Don't know exactly how that works. So this got challenged. A medical marijuana patient challenges a patient from Nevada who was denied a gun because the patient had a card challenged it by saying, look, the, the, the card doesn't prove that I use medical marijuana just says that I am protected for prosecution. If I did now, it's kind of a kind of a long shot. You know, if you think about it, right, right. You went and got a medical marijuana card, but you don't use marijuana. Sure. Right. But technically, legally speaking, something you might try to argue. Well, it didn't work. The Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals just in August ruled unanimously that uh, that was unlawful user of or addicted to. And that quote, pot use raises the risk of irrational or unpredictable behavior with which gun use should not be associated. And I'm trying not to laugh out loud. Let me tell you some stories of my hunting and fishing relatives and the cases of beer they take up into the mountains with them. There's absolutely nothing preventing a falling down drunk from buying a gun or possessing one or possessing ammunition. Trust me, I've seen them. Now, it is illegal to get drunk and go, you know, shooting around the place. But merely being an alcoholic, merely being someone who drinks isn't reason enough to take someone's Second Amendment rights. So now, now the ATF has updated their form because previously these decisions and everything were based. This is 2011. When that letter came out, that was before anybody legalized pot. Pretty easy to say, look in the medical States, they got these registries. You've got a registered card. Obviously you're a pot smoker, but now we've got eight States where merely being 21 could mean you're a pot smoker. How far are investigators and gun dealers and everybody willing to go in investigating every person who comes in to see whether or not they're a pot smoker? Who, who might want to press that? Imagine that you're a gun owner, a lawful gun owner, and someone doesn't like you. And so they scour your Facebook feed or your Instagram feed. and They see a picture of you with a bong in your hand, not necessarily smoking it, but there's just a bong in your hand in this picture. For, uh, maybe we just took it for fun. How do you know that doesn't get reported then? And then somebody from the government comes knocking on your door saying, hey, uh, we got word that you're an unlawful user of or addicted to a controlled substance and in possession of firearms. Seems far fetched, but so did a President Trump just a few months ago. So I'm willing to entertain all sorts of uh, concepts at this point. Now they've added a warning to it. They've added a warning to the end of it. It says the use or possession of marijuana remains unlawful under federal law, regardless of whether it has been legalized or decriminalized for medicinal or recreational purposes in the state where you reside. And of course, they also remind you that lying on that form is a federal felony. And where's the NRA on this? 
What did I always hear from the NRA for years and years and years? We can't register guns. We can't have a gun registry. We can't have then any more gun control because that would be a list the federal government could use to take away people's Second Amendment rights. Well, now we have those lists. They're called state medical marijuana registries. And who needs a gun for self-defense more than somebody who's sick and disabled trying to grow weed for medicine? That's all the time we got. Till next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you giant, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you giant, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you giant, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. Now it's time for Toker Talk Radio, the voice of the marijuana nation. What are you people? On dope? Where you can toke. I inhale. Uh, frequently. Or you can talk. I experimented with marijuana and didn't inhale. Or you can toke and talk. Ten federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. While we talk about toke on Toker Talk Radio. So by the way, when it comes to pot, you know, if you're 40 years old, you live in a log cabin in Oregon, you got 12 giant pot plants in your backyard, have a ball. Live from beautiful Portland, Oregon at Rolla J Studios. Plus your calls live at 971-533-7111. They're walking on their pants with their cap on backwards, listening to the end of a man, the Snoopy Snoopy poop dog. What's to keep somebody from getting all potted up on weed and then getting behind the wheel? Gateway theory doesn't work. It's a reality. Holland, is it real? Don't tease me. We're locking up people that take a couple of puffs of marijuana, and, and the, the next thing you know, they got 10 years. And now, here's your host, the guru of Gonza Graphics, the sultan of Sativa Statistics, and the worst nightmare of a reefer mad prohibitionist. A polite, perspicacious, productive pothead with a propensity for PowerPoint. Radical Russ Belleville. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back, everybody. Time for Toker Talk Radio. Our phone lines are open at 650-LEGAL-MJ. That's 650-LEGAL-MJ. Or you can do it the number style, 650-534-2565. That's a 24-hour number, by the way. You can call... 650-534-2565, 24 hours a day because we have a voicemail there. And every now and then we get a voicemail that we will uh, play back on the show. It's always good to hear from folks out there. We uh, love our fans. And I think we actually have some voicemails that uh, since I was gone for a while that maybe we can get to. I'll check the uh, voicemail inbox at 650-LEGAL-MJ, see what we got. Uh Let's see. Oh, here we have one. Let's uh, let's hear from this one. Uh, let's you got the got the volume turned up. Yes, let's go. Aloha, Russ. This is high in Hawaii. I have a question for you. 
somebody told me that legal cannabis and medical cannabis received more votes than Trump. Is that true? Or is somebody just feeding me a line? Also, what do you think about Jeff Sessions? Are we in trouble? I hope not. I hope you're back on the air again soon. Miss your show. I need my uh, fix. <laughs> Aloha, man, and um, take care of yourself. Well, thank you very much. Love getting the calls from Hawaii. And uh, to answer the questions, uh, yes, uh, marijuana reform in all nine states that voted on it got more votes than Clinton or Trump did. Although they've been counting a lot of the late votes, I need to go back and update my figures because Clinton apparently has been getting more and more votes. So uh, we'll check that out. But certainly, yes, legal marijuana or medical marijuana got more votes percentage wise in the states than Trump did nationally. Now, if you compare it state by state, like what did Massachusetts vote on on weed versus what did Massachusetts vote on Trump? Well, yeah, Trump lost big in Massachusetts, but if you went to North Dakota, I don't I don't know. Did Trump get more votes in North Dakota than weed got in North Dakota? I haven't checked those numbers, but nationally speaking, Trump got like 47.2% of the vote and uh Arizona's was the one that did the worst and it got 48%. So yeah, we got, uh, we got that taken care of. Now the other question on this, uh, Jeff Sessions. Yes. Yes. We're in trouble. <laughs> yes. I, Sessions. Like I was, you know, my job is to think of nightmare scenarios, right? <laughs> that's, that's part of my gig is to try to think of what's the worst possible thing that could happen. And to me, the worst possible thing I could imagine was attorney general, Chris Christie. That was my nightmare. I was like, oh, God, Chris Christie, he would be awful. And then he goes and appoints Sessions. I went, oh, shit, I didn't even think of Jeff Sessions. Holy shit, that's the worst possible guy we could have picked. Oh, my God. And the reason why he's worse than Christie, because Christie's a little toady, right? Christie will do what he's told. And, and, and Christie's got a hate for marijuana, right? It, but it's just kind of like a, a, a law and order crime thing. He just He's just bigoted against the people that use marijuana, right? Sessions is an old school drug warrior who actually believes the bullshit about marijuana itself. He actually thinks the sus, the, the substance itself is evil, right? I, I kind of get to think that, that, that Christie doesn't necessarily think weed itself is evil, but just the way people use it. And he doesn't like the people that, that use it. Right. So yeah, sessions we're in trouble because right now the only reason the, marijuana commerce got off the ground was because of the coal memo coal memo said hey federal prosecutors back off and so then people were emboldened to move forward and take risks that coal memo can be rescinded and probably will be very toward my birthday in late january and with no coal memo then you've got what is it 93 u.s attorneys different u.s attorneys out there some number like that who are now free to prosecute marijuana if they so choose. Now, keep in mind, we've had medical marijuana for a long time. And we had, we got medical marijuana that's got, you know, 80% support nationally. And we've got a president who was at least promising that we wouldn't use federal resources to go after medical marijuana. And yet, 
We got prosecutions of the Kettle Falls Five. We got raids in Montana. We got raids in Colorado. We got raids all over the country. So are we in trouble with uh, Sessions? Yeah, I think we are. It pums the hell out of me because I, I kept telling people, look, the game is two-party politics. One of two people will win. One of them might install some rational people who believe in science into the cabinet. The other one is going to appoint every kook and nut job possible and it's not going to do us any favors. And speaking of kooks and nut jobs being appo- appointed by Donald Trump, latest news just in this in from uh, the Associated Press, Ben Carson, Secretary of Housing, Urban and Development. <laughs> ben Carson, the guy who thought that the pyramids were a grain silo. Ben Carson, the guy who thinks that Jesus rode a dinosaur. Ben Carson. He's going to fix housing and urban development. He's going to take care of the uh, homeless problem and the uh, mortgage crises and all of that. Ben Carson. <laughs> oh, man, I, I shouldn't laugh, but oh, it's so scary. It's just so scary. Who's good? They're talking about Sarah Palin for secretary of the interior. Yeah. Drill, baby, drill in charge of our na- national parks. What do you think of that? Huh? That'll be fun. I mean, a lot of fun. I wonder who Jill Stein would have appointed. Uh, anyway, we got to take a break. And uh, when we come back, we'll talk some more about this wonderful weed. Also, some more election news. There's starting to be allegations that the election was rigged. Remember Trump saying the election would be rigged. Maybe he was right. This isn't a tinfoil hat thing either. This might get some legs, folks. We'll talk about that when we come back. Plus, we'll take your calls at 650-LEGAL-MJ. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Legal to listen to all over the world. We're just not sure about France. CannabisRadio.com. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Ignite the conversation on some trending topics along the Cannabis Radio social media network. Join our crew of thousands on our Cannabis Radio page on Facebook or at Canna Radio, C-A-N-N-A Radio on Twitter. 
Plus, look for our Facebook and Google Plus pages for all of our original programs and connect with Dr. Dina, Kyle Cushman, Dr. Mitch Earlywine, Nurse Heather, Doc Rob, the hosts of Gondrepreneur, and more. Connect with the growing cannabis radio social crusade at Canna Radio on Twitter or search for Cannabis Radio on Facebook, Google Plus, and Instagram and grow with us. The Russ Belleville Show. Chat is for friends 18 and older. We expect our chat to be civil, mature, and free from excessive profanity. If you don't like these rules, there are approximately 6 billion other chat rooms with lower standards that you can visit. When you are starting up a medical cannabis business, you want a fired-up lawyer who understands the needs of cannabis consumers. The Law Office of Lauren Vasquez is your fired-up lawyer for the cannabis industry. Visit her website, fireduplawyer.com, or call 1-855-MMJ-LAWS for more information. That's 855-665-5297 for Lauren Vasquez, your fired-up lawyer, or email fireduplawyer at gmail.com. Remember, friends, there's more to life than marijuana. I just can't remember what it is. Why'd I come in here? This is the Rush Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everybody. 12 minutes after 4 o'clock here at the Pacific Time Zone. We're live and direct from Delta 9 Studios here in beautiful legal potland, Oregon. And uh, interesting news coming across the desk here in election news. There are activists now urging Hillary Clinton and her campaign to challenge the election results in three of the Rust Belt Brexit states. The interesting, uh, interesting information coming here. Now, uh, in other recount news, there's a recount going on in Maine. Up in the state of Maine, the uh, opponents of marijuana legalization there have called for a recount. I believe the last number I saw was a 50.2% victory. And anytime an election's within a half a percent, I'm not, I don't oppose a recount, right? I, recounts are fine. And, and I got people that are, are tweeting about it. They're saying, oh, they're wasting a half million dollars of taxpayer money to do this recount. That's not a waste. Ensuring that our democracy is accurate, ensuring that our votes are counted, ensuring that the mechanisms haven't been tampered with, that's priceless. That's our democracy. They, they, you can't put a number on it. That's, if that's what it costs, half a million dollars to have a free and fair election, absolutely. Sure. Let's do it. Now, the news from the Clinton camp is coming from the director of the University of Michigan's Center for Computer Security and Society. Uh, actually, it's a group. There's a prominent computer scientists and election lawyers calling for recounts in Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. Uh, the group has voting rights attorney John Boniface and J. Alex Halderman, who's the uh, director of University of Michigan's Center for Computer Security and Society. So we're not talking about, you know, far fringe tinfoil hat people here. We're talking about some serious statisticians and election experts. They believe they've found persuasive evidence that the results in Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania may have been hacked. Now, they're not speaking on the record yet. And uh, 
they're lobbying in private. But here's what they say. There was a conference call last Thursday with Clinton campaign chairman John Podesta and the chief general counsel, Mark Elias, to make their case. And they presented findings that in Wisconsin, Hillary Clinton received 7% fewer votes in counties that relied on electronic voting machines compared with counties that use optical scanners and paper ballots. Based on this analysis, she was denied as many as 30,000 votes in Wisconsin, a state she lost by 27,000. Now, they're, they're not saying they found proof of any hacking or of any manipulation, but statistically speaking, it's the kind of result that's damn near impossible to happen by random chance. So they're very, uh, very much interested in having an independent review of this. Combined with the fact that the Obama White House believes the Russian government has been involved in hacking the Democrats. So how much harder would it be to hack a whole bunch of electronic machines in Wisconsin, Michigan, or Pennsylvania? Now, the way we're at right now, Donald Trump has 290 electoral votes compared to Clinton's 232. They still haven't called Michigan yet. Michigan's too close to call. And all three of these states would have to go Hillary Clinton's way. Wisconsin's 10 electoral votes would have to flip. Pennsylvania's 20 votes would have to flip. And she'd have to win Michigan, which hasn't been decided yet. But if all three of those flipped, then Hillary Clinton would win the Electoral College. Keep in mind, while the election is over, the president hasn't been elected yet. We've had the presidential election, which counts our popular votes. Those popular votes are then used by the members of the Electoral College, the electors, who generally speaking, vote the way their state told them to vote. And that happens later. That happens in December. That actual Electoral College vote that ratifies the election and makes it official hasn't happened yet. So if those states were audited and flipped, Hillary Clinton could very well become president. Now, is it going to happen politically? Probably not. I can't see, you know, Obama wants this to be a smooth transition. If she did win it through this, oh my God, as much as those Trump people hate Hillary Clinton now and, and think the election is rigged and we can't trust the elites. Imagine if after the vote happens and Trump was declared winner that it's then taken away from him. But there's another thing that's brewing too. Another thing that's brewing here is that we have a problem of faithless electors. Now, what that means is someone who's an electoral college voter, an elector, who betrays what their state voted for. And so far, there's at least six of these electors who have said they're not going to vote for Trump, even though their state voted for Trump. So those could help tip the election. And there's this concern, this continuing uh, growing concern about Hillary Clinton having won the popular vote now by almost two million votes. And the fact that this would be the second election in just 16 years, the second out of five, where the popular vote winner doesn't win the Electoral College. And I would argue turns out to be a terrible president. (laughs) 
So are we on the verge of some sort of electoral college revolt, perhaps? Are we on the verge of these electors deciding to flip the results of an election? Is it possible that we're finally going to start paying attention to our voting machines, our voting, uh, our very democracy? I mean, we've been, we've been yelling about this for years about the electronic voting machines and the hacking. This goes back to the George W. Bush, the 2000 election, and the Diebold machines, right? The the machines where you're the touchscreen and you press the touchscreen for Gore and it registers Bush, right? Those kind of things. This country needs to get real serious about making sure our elections are as free, fair, and transparent as possible. Paper ballots, auditable paper trail ballots, ranked choice voting, like Maine has just adopted, where you get to actually pick more than one person for an office. There's no spoiler effect. If you like Ralph Nader, you can vote for Ralph Nader because you can also vote for Al Gore. Or you like Jill Stein, you can vote for Jill Stein because you can also vote for Hillary Clinton. You like uh, uh, Gary Johnson, but you also liked Trump, you could vote for both of them. But we need paper trails. We need audits. We need transparency. I always told you to stay away from the Soylent Green. We're going to instead get back to the Cannabis Green. Because Cannabis Green is all right, all right, all right. It's 420 here in the Pacific Time Zone. We're going to take a break. Time for the safety meeting. Make sure you get safe, too, and we'll be right back. Being green is good. Growing green is good. Making green is great. CannabisRadio.com The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber Vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way. Normal stands for responsible adult cannabis use. If cannabis use is causing problems in your life, consider taking a break or seeking medical assistance. Consider ceasing cannabis use if you have a family history of mental illness. Don't drive or operate heavy machinery while impaired by cannabis use. Cannabis use is not without risks, even though the risks may be far less than those posed by legal drugs. The Russ Belleville Show, where the truth about marijuana gets more than a minute to speak. Hey everybody, it's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio, inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, Fort Worth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. Trust me, it'll feel awesome. It's not your father's Woodstock weed. (laughs) This is the Rush Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. 
All right, welcome back, everybody. 22 after the hour. Hope you're feeling nice and safe. So I had someone in the chat room was uh, bringing up my tattoo. uh, Some of you new listeners out there might not know that I have this uh, back tattoo. And uh, it's the United States. And it's uh, every place I've ever been to do a marijuana uh, event. And somebody out there wanted a, a copy of it, wanted to, wanted to see what it looked like. I was actually on uh, CBS 5, the uh, uh, news station down in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, they did a story on this last year, and they, uh, they, they filmed the tattoo even. <laughs> so it's kind of, uh, that was kind of cool. So I'm trying to find where in my photos online I might have a copy of that. I'm just looking through here during break. Uh, last time I was in Dallas, I know I did some of that. So let's see if I can find where that might be. <laughs> but uh, we'll get that colored in. We might do it in uh, back in in uh, Texas because I've got a layover in on December fourth when I go to uh, when I'm heading off to. Uh, um, Jamaica. So I, I got to have a layover in, in Dallas. It's uh, like a 12 hour layover before I catch the next flight uh, out to Montego Bay, Jamaica. So looks like I've got this from a 2016 photo album in February. Let me see if I can find the link and I'll post this in the chat room. Uh, 2016 February. I'm trying to run this new Google photos. I'm not used to it. So March, December, February. There it is. Okay. And <laughs> Lots of pictures online. Uh, you can find uh, just about everything I do as Radical Russ on just about everything that has social media capabilities. If there's a, a name for it, I'm Radical Russ on it. And there we go. Southwest Cannabis Conference. Got to be in there somewhere. And where's the tattoo picture? Get this for our listeners in the chat room. And by the way, if you're uh, listening on the podcast, you should try to join us live sometime. We're on from 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific time uh, every weekday here on CannabisRadio.com, which is the only place you can hear this live. And one of the nice things about hearing it live is you can join our chat room. And in the uh, the live player, you'll see that it's got kind of a uh, like a like a cartoon balloon sort of icon. And when you click that, that's what's going to get you to where the live chat is. A lot of people have been having trouble finding that, but uh, that's all you got to do. Just click that. You'll get right to the live chat. And let's see, this picture should do it. Here's one. I'll get that link and we'll post that uh, right there in the chat. And uh, yeah, that's at, that's a photo at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo in uh, Fort Worth. And uh, he's got a collection of spiders up on the wall. <laughs> so I'm freaking out about the spiders, but you can kind of see the back tattoo there. Uh, last time I was there, we got the uh, great lakes colored in and we added uh, Alaska and Hawaii, but uh, yeah, we've got to do some coloring in. We got to color in uh, eight, four more States. Cause I only color in the legal States. I'm not coloring in medical. Some folks have also uh, brought up. What if they, if they take the legalization back? What if they make it illegal again? I, I don't think, any place is going to make it illegal again. I think once legalization happens, it stays legal. And I don't, I just mean legal though at the state level, right? The feds could stop all the commerce part. That's the scary part. The feds. Oh, 404 error. All right. (laughs) 
Uh, I don't know why. I don't know why, people. I'm trying. All right. I'll tell you what. I'll tweet this out. <laughs> we'll make this happen. I'm going to make this happen, damn it. Uh, Nisha, only album. Yes, yes. Continue to Twitter. Yes. So we're going to tweet it out on my uh, on my account. We'll call it uh, ARG, A-R-G-H, because I'm trying to hold the mic and type. <laughs> so we go ARG, and then I'll go get that tweet for you, and then you can find it from the tweet. How's that? I always want to keep you folks happy. Let's see. Here's our tweet. And just now there's the link and we'll copy the link and we'll put it in there and we shall paste it and you can find it that way. So there you go. But yeah, just follow me on Twitter at Radical Russ. I send photos out like this all the time or uh, on Instagram at Radical Russ. Love to meet you. Love to talk to you. And uh, got a question coming in the chat room but from Runaround talking about the worst case scenario being the DC model. And the DC model is a disaster because the vast majority of people still buy their weed from illegal dealers who are mostly poor minorities who have little to lose and will be the first ones in jail. Yep, absolutely. And the, uh, the DC model, for those of you who don't know, that's the grow and give model. That's where you can grow weed, you can possess weed, you can give away weed, but there's no buying and selling. And the dumb thing about this Right. The prohibitionists actually like this model. They think this is a good model. They think that the problem with marijuana is the big marijuana aspect. Right. The problem with marijuana is that there's these uh, dealers, these these corporations that are trying to addict the kids and folks. It has nothing to do with that. What they don't like about big marijuana is that it means marijuana's legit that it's accepted, that it's a commodity like any other, that it's no longer demonized and held to a lower standard and its users thought to be scumbags. And it's, it's, it's an establishment of, of the superiority of the alcohol world. Alcohol is like the white guy of drugs, <laughs> right? Alcohol has had privilege all these years. And now that the minorities want the same privileges, white guys got a problem with it, right? That's what's going on here. Beer's got a problem with having to share the stage with other legal drugs. Beer never had a problem with tobacco, though. Tobacco makes people drink more beer. But all the others, right? We don't want these other drugs competing with alcohol because what people will find is that alcohol, as a recreational substance, sucks. Oh, yeah, it's fun. You can drink alcohol and go out and dance and have a good time, but you pay for it. Oh, boy, do you pay for it. You get that hangover, you puke on your shoes, and you get a little nauseous, right? In fact, that's why I think alcohol's been accepted. I think that's that alcohol's been accepted because it does punish you. Because there is an immediate payback. There is a self-limiting sort of factor to alcohol. You can only drink so much before you get puke drunk and nobody wants to be around you. So that's why I think alcohol has been accepted because we kind of have this Puritan mindset in America. You know, we, oh my God, somebody out there might be having fun. And so long as someone's punished for that fun, then we can kind of accept it. But with the, the rest of them, the other drugs, if those were legal, if those were accepted, if they didn't have a stigma attached to them, a lot of people would discover that a lot of those drugs are a lot more fun. And a lot less harmful in the short term or even the long term 
compared to alcohol. For example, you smoke weed, you can have a good old time, you wake up the next day, you don't have that hangover. You don't have that pounding headache. There are other drugs for which you get the same sort of uh, situation where you can do those drugs and the next day feel relatively good. Now, yes, I'm, I'm not going to deny that other drugs have some long-term problems. Some of them are more highly addictive. Some of them cause heart attacks. Some of them cause death by overdose. But a lot of those problems are related to the fact that the drugs themselves are impure and we don't know the potency of them and we don't have education and social mores around them. Most of the time people are overdosing on something like heroin. It's because they got something laced with fentanyl or they got a heroin that was more potent than the last batch that they got or less potent than the last batch. There's no consistency. There's no customer safety. How much more stigma would there be around alcohol if we were still in the bathtub gin era, if we're still dealing with people going blind every now and then from bad distilled moonshine or whatever? So no, big big alcohol, they don't want to see they don't want to see marijuana get on the same legal footing as alcohol. They don't want to see us have our own businesses and our own lounges and our own advertisements that are competing with their recreational substance they want to see be seen as the the reason for the party and if there's other reasons to party that don't involve alcohol that's bad for their bottom line but this uh this is the 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 direction we're going though this uh this grow and give the thing that's so maddening about it is these prohibitionists who think they're doing something right by preventing big marijuana from happening are actually exacerbating everything they hate about the illegal marijuana because with grow and give. And and again, with the States that currently have legal marijuana commerce, those eight States, if, if there is any action against those eight States, the only action can be to end the commerce, but not to force the end of personal cultivation personal uh, possession and sharing with one another feds can't touch that. So if we ended up with eight grow and give States, Holy crap. They don't even understand what they're doing. What they're doing is keeping the black market as it is. Cause as runaround was noting in the chat room, people in DC are buying their weed. You know how few people want to grow weed. It's about the same percentage of people that want to brew their own beer. Yeah, you can, but it's a pain in the ass. Most people would rather just buy it from someone who does it well. So they do. But now with Grow and Give, it's legal to grow. And how do you catch someone who's selling? Well, you got to do a sting. And so you maintain all of the same waste of time for the cops. You maintain all of that, but you... You lower the risk that the producer and dealer has to deal with. You actually increase the black market with a grow and give system. Now, maybe, maybe they're cynical enough to know that. Maybe they know if they attack the commercial system and revert the entire Pacific time zone, Colorado, Maine, and Massachusetts to a grow and give system. And then that, turns into a huge 
increase in violence and black market activity and diversion out of state, then they can point to legalization itself and say, aha, see, see, we had the experiment. We let the states be the laboratories of democracy and look what happened. Went all to hell. We told you so. We told you it would be awful. That's the worry is, is they find a way to make legalization suck bad enough to make people want to go back to prohibition. At least that's the way I'm thinking of it. If I was on their side, that's the way I'd be trying to, to make this happen. I even noticed someone in the chat room was talking about uh, the, alcohol, the, the bars, too, that if we allow marijuana in the bars, then the wrecks and the fights and the stuff that happened because of alcohol then get blamed on adding the marijuana. That was one of the arguments, actually, for the Denver uh, normal uh, social initiative rather than the uh, one that passed was that we ought to keep marijuana separate from alcohol for that very reason. I don't know. I, if marijuana and alcohol are kept separate, it doesn't affect me too much because when I'm someplace where there's alcohol, I'll slip out back and smoke a joint. And if I'm someplace that allows marijuana inside, I probably don't want to drink. Anyway, got to take a break. We'll come back more live from Delta 9 Studios when we return. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Cannabis use isn't the only thing growing. So are we. Grow with us. CannabisRadio.com. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now About a game for your phone gonna make you say wow The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash Little by little your empire grows large Put the big celebrities inside your entourage You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chichin Chong Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong The name of the game is Hemping, that's the point Download and play while you light yourself a joint the business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. The smoke is rising, and the next crop of podcasts devoted to cannabis providers and enthusiasts are ready to be harvested. Welcome to the Cannabis Radio Network, founded by respected rainmakers who have been producing award-winning podcasts for over a decade. Industry headlines, business updates, medical reports, marketing, and e-commerce education rolled up perfectly for your consumption. Let's grow together. The Cannabis Radio Network. CannabisRadio.com. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. We need to build a wall. Okay. Maybe you're high, too. Pod 2.0. It's not your father's Woodstock weed. <laughs> this is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everybody. 22 minutes away from the top of the hour. Such bad news to report from our uh, local 
cannabis community here. One of our uh, medical marijuana physicians, Dr. Jameson, was like, was killed today in a three-vehicle crash on Route 140 about 5.50 in the morning. Man helped uh, a whole lot of patients get their medical marijuana cards here in this state. And the doctors that we have that are providing this service, uh, you know, are pretty rare, pretty few and far between individuals because despite medical marijuana being popular and legal in this state since 1998, there's still a lot of stigma for the doctors that are uh, recommending it. They still get extra scrutiny from the medical board. They, they still face restrictions. There's so many doctors out there that want to recommend medical cannabis use that can't recommend medical cannabis use. They, they work for a clinic that has some sort of contract with the feds or a hospital that doesn't allow it, like a Catholic hospital or, you know, one of those religious types hospitals that won't allow it. And so we end up with this, this situation where, you know, of course, VA doctors can't recommend. Uh, There's so many that are restricted on this so that when we get doctors that are brave and want to stand up and do the right thing and help people out, they're just, they're just rare. They're few and far between. And, and it's just a shame that we lost another one. So our condolences go out to uh, Dr. Jameson, his friends, his family, his coworkers, everyone that's uh, devastated now to learn that uh, we lost him this morning in a, in a car crash. So sorry to have to report that news. And um, yeah. Anyway, let's go back uh, to some more of the, Marijuana news that's happening throughout this great country of ours. Oh, we did get that. Uh, we did get that story earlier on Canada and how Health Canada is going to cut back on the allotment that's allowed for veterans that are receiving medical cannabis. Now, understand that uh, Health Canada, uh, the whole nation has a medical marijuana program, a federal medical marijuana program. It's all by mail. And so they're reducing how much these uh, post-traumatic stress patients can get, these veterans can get, from 10 grams to 3 grams. I think it was a day, yeah, something like that. Citing cost overruns and citing that these vets might be being over-recommended or over-prescribed uh, medical cannabis. And to me, it's just kind of... It's kind of odd that we have to talk about cost overruns when we're talking about a weed, about an herb that ought to be ubiquitous. Any of these cost overruns, any of this price that's associated with cannabis is mostly attributable to it being prohibited. It's that prohibition tax that we have to pay. It's that that tariff that we all have to go through just because it's illegal. And. You know, they. it always bothers me when a bureaucrat wants to set a limit on medicine or, or doctors or what they might prescribe for someone. And, and I guess there is some exceptions in this Health Canada policy for people that are using more. But still, I like to have as few restrictions on the doctor-patient relationship as possible. I I, I really think that there's a reason why we have these physicians go to school, medical school for years and years and years to become experts in this and that we ought to trust them on medical decisions 
over some guy who got elected to the state house. So, uh, yeah, this this Canada thing. It, it's just like when they put limits in medical marijuana laws, right? They say, oh, well, yeah, patient can have six plants and three ounces. Why? Why? Why is there a limit on how much marijuana a medical marijuana patient should have? It's not toxic, right? They're not going to overdose on the stuff. It's self-titrating. They're only going to use as much as they need to get the relief they need. Why the limit? Well, we know why there's a limit. It's because marijuana is still illegal. It's because we got to stop the patient from stockpiling a whole bunch of weed and then selling it to other people, which is also a weird thing, right? This is something in the medical marijuana thing that's been in Oregon for a long time is patients and caregivers growing weed and then selling some of that weed. Now, it used to be just black market, right? Patient grows six plants, harvest, you know, three pounds, sell two pounds on the black market, keep a pound for themselves. But then it became more legit with our dispensary bill where caregivers and growers and patients could actually sell their medicine to the dispensary for further sales. This, this ought to be something we're encouraging. These patients, these sick, disabled people getting medical marijuana are often some of the poorest people out there. They can't work. They're, they're disabled. So wouldn't it be neat if they were getting extra income by selling weed to healthy people? Right. There's just so many opportunities in the growing cannabis field for us to have money making opportunities for the people who have least had them. But a lot of the green rush just seems to be going to the same rich old white guys that weren't having any problems with money in the first place. Some of this is overt through the way we pass these laws that say, well, if you've had a drug felony, you can't get a license to sell drugs. So basically what we're taking all the people who were selling drugs and got caught and saying now they can't sell drugs legally. Wouldn't we want the people who got caught, who got roped into a life of crime, who now have a criminal record and have a more difficult time getting legit work that then leads them to want to commit more crimes to survive. Wouldn't we want to take those people and make them legal sellers, take what they're doing now and put them in a legal arena where we can get taxes off them and cover them with regulations. No, no. We make these laws that say, Nope, you're a, you're a drug felon. You can't uh, get a legal license. That's just insane. It also sets up this weird double standard where like if you were dealing weed on the black market and didn't get caught, well, hell you can apply. So it's almost like, a reward system for having beaten the man. <laughs> Congratulations. You never got caught. Here's a license. <laughs> no, man, let's get the people who have the experience. Likely the ones that got caught were the ones that are doing the most and, and most often and, and, and the most amount. Let's get them jobs. Let's get them taxed. Let's get them regulated. Let's get them in the system. Then we've got to deal with uh, we all, the other thing we have to deal with the, uh, the drug testing. There's another thing that, that, that's got to uh, get examined here in this newly legal world. Discriminating against people in hiring them because they do something that's legal. Now, now I get response on this sometimes. I get people that'll talk to me and say, well, Russ, there are places that won't hire you now if you're a tobacco smoker. And yeah, that, that's often predicated on them having a, uh, an insurance policy. And if they have nobody at their work that's a smoker, 
they get reductions in their health insurance because smokers tend to die. They get cancer and stuff and emphysema and it costs the company money in their insurance premium. So I disagree with it. I don't think we ought to discriminate against people based on what they do to themselves. But at least if you are going to discriminate, there's some logic there. <laughs> at least there's, okay, I see the money aspect in that. You can't show that to me for marijuana. In fact, we're starting to get figures in that show marijuana is actually beneficial to the workplace in less employee absenteeism, less employee health care costs, and extending the time that seniors can stay on the job. It's actually beneficial for productivity. I've been saying that for years. I've been saying, well, I'll tell you, once the business world figures out that people can do repetitive, boring ass, rote type of work better when they're slightly high, that's when business will switch around to it. Notice that there's not a whole lot of drug testing in the information technology industry. Notice that you got guys that write code that are often known to have done psychedelics, right? There have been breakthroughs that have happened in coding, in, in software that were facilitated by mushrooms and LSD. Ideas that people came up with, breakthroughs that people came up with that were inspired thanks to opening their minds to the extra possibilities that, you know, that mushrooms and LSD can, can bring to you. So this idea that there's going to be some sort of drug-free workplace, as if there's ever been a drug-free workplace, is, some, is another aspect of our society that we're going to have to keep tackling here in this post-legalization era. We cannot have a situation where one out of five people in America are subject to a type of discrimination that four out of five Americans don't face. And that is being prejudged by their use of a legal substance. And, and the double standard with alcohol is, is the part that bothers me the most because anything these people say, anything, these opponents, these prohibitionists, these pot haters, anything they say negative about pot or scaremongering about what pot will do is immediately vanquished. If you substance substitute the word alcohol, for pot, booze for pot, whatever you want to do, whatever they propose, say, hey, that's an interesting idea. So you're saying that we ought to uh, mandate that only al- that alcohol can only be 40 percent proof for or 40 proof that 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 ought to be the, the, the limit, right? 40 proof alcohol ought to be the limit. No, no, no. I was talking about THC, you know, in the in the edibles. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you you, you were saying that the THC ought to be limited to 15% in a flower, right? So, okay, let's limit alcohol to 40 proof. Well, well, it's not the same. No, it's the same. You're trying to argue here that the potency of a product ought to be limited for the consumer's own good. So, let's make a limit for alcohol at 40 proof. Now, some states have a limit at 100 proof. Some of them, like, you know, uh, back in my home state of Idaho, you could get uh, Everclear, 190 proof alcohol, right? So some states have limits already. Some of them don't. But when they're talking like a 15% limit on THC in a bud, 
They were trying this in Colorado a while back. It failed, but they were trying this. A 15% bud is a, is a mid-grade at best at this point. So that would be about like 40 proof alcohol, wouldn't it? Crazy stuff here. Whenever they propose something crazy for marijuana, just substitute alcohol in that and ask, ask the question back to them. Now, that does catch us when it comes to the breathalyzer. <laughs> gotta, you got to admit that part. All right, we're going to take a break here and we'll wrap things up live from Delta 9 Studios here in beautiful southeast Potland, Oregon. Love this new area. Walking distance to just about everything I need. And pot shops, too, of course. Yep, pot shop, dry cleaner, Taco Bell. (laughs) All right, I don't really need Taco Bell. We'll be back in just a couple minutes. Thanks for joining us. And if you feel like it, call 650-LEGAL-MJ. Leave us a message. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. We don't limit how much you smoke, and we don't limit where you listen. Cannabis Radio is now on iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Mindful of sustainable practices and limiting their environmental footprint, Sansal hemp is always grown outdoors, as nature intended. By starting with uniform genetic profiles, Sansal ensures the plant will maintain its optimal performance and yield consistently throughout its life cycle. It is through innovative processes that Sansal is able to achieve pure whole hemp extracts and meet industry requirements and the level of quality desired by many of their customers. Healthy plants, healthy people. SansalCBD.com. Improve your lifestyle naturally. Georgia. Hi, this is Willie Nelson. Alcohol prohibition didn't work in the 1920s, and marijuana prohibition isn't working today. It's time we stopped arresting responsible marijuana smokers. It's the fair thing to do. For more information, contact Normal, the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws. Call toll-free 888-67-NORML or visit their website at norml.org. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. At Herbie's Cannabis Seeds, we pride ourselves on bringing you the best quality seeds from the world's most respected cannabis seed producers, all at the lowest online prices. You can find Herbie's Seeds at Herbie'sHeadShop.com. All cannabis seeds are sold as souvenirs and as a means of preserving cannabis genetics. Herbie's Seeds in no way intends to condone, promote, or incite the use of illegal or controlled substances. We strongly urge all prospective customers to check their national laws prior to placing an order. Herbie's Seeds at Herbie'sHeadShop.com. Proud sponsors of The Russ Belville Show and 420 Radio. Warning, hits taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals. <coughs> or at least they pay me to say that. This is Dan Michaels from danmichaelsaudio.com. 
and you're listening to Radical Russ on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everybody. Just about five minutes to the top of the hour as we close things up here at Delta 9 Studios for the day. A reminder that we're in our holiday schedule, so we'll have a live show tomorrow, but uh, Thursday and Friday, no live shows as it will be Thanksgiving Day and the day after Thanksgiving. So uh, I will be unpacking stuff here at the new house. I have boxes and boxes and boxes of stuff to unpack. Oh, my God. Then uh, coming up next week is Portland Weed Week, the 28th through the 4th. And I believe I will be emceeing on Thursday and Friday at a couple events there for Portland Weed Week. So we might next week also only be on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Then following that, in the first two weeks of December, I'm completely gone, completely off. I will be down in Jamaica taking my first vacation vacation in over a decade for sure. Uh, I travel a lot, but I never vacation, right? I'm always working wherever I travel. So this will be pretty exciting for me. Then I'll be back on uh, the 19th and we'll do two weeks of uh, shows there to wind up 2016. Now, I uh, got a comment in the chat room about my uh, 13-time world champion Green Bay Packers and how much they suck yesterday. <laughs> oh, my God. We're down to, like, what, the fourth string secondary now? Made Kirk Cousins from the uh, Washington racial slurs look like an MVP quarterback. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's not looking good for the pack. They're four and six this year. Not looking good. Uh, I'm trying to concentrate this year more on my uh, beloved Boise State Broncos, who uh, got Houston moved ahead of them in the group of five, uh, moved ahead of them in the polls, despite having two losses to Boise State's one. And, of course, Western Michigan has still not lost a game. They're still the only undefeated team other than Herb Thrasher's Alabama Crimson Tide. So that's our football update. I'm not happy with the pack. But uh, I, I don't think they'll make the playoffs this year. We'll see. Usually, you got to be ten and six in the NFC to make the playoffs, and nine and seven is a risk. So they ain't got many more games they can lose. Uh, as far as the Broncos go, they might not even make uh, their Mountain West playoffs, <laughs> thanks to some thanks to the more shenanigans from uh, Wyoming messing up our messing up our wor- world. <laughs> anyway. That's football. That's the only other non-marijuana thing I'm up to. And so I'll be watching some football tomorrow as well. The uh, regular Thanksgiving or Thursday, I should say, regular Thanksgiving games coming up. Looking forward to that. Also looking forward uh, to some events coming up next year. I'll be at the Idaho Hemp Fest again. That'll be on April 15th. Uh, I'll also be in Berlin, Germany. Uh, I believe it's April 12th and 13th. Uh, So I'll be flying from Germany to Boise. That'll be fun. That'll be some layovers. Uh, <laughs> oh, I also have a one-day layover uh, in Dallas on December 4th on my way out to Jamaica. So I'm going to visit with my uh, tattoo uh, artist, and we'll get the uh, rest of the map filled in. Thanks to the thanks for the compliment on Twitter. Somebody complimented me on the uh, tattoo saying, uh, looks like you've been working out. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. Worked out just a little bit. But uh, it's mostly just not eating everything in my in my view. <laughs> uh, that's right. The, the real workout starts in the kitchen, folks. 
And that's about all the time we got for today's show. I want to thank uh, all of you regular listeners for joining us and all the new ones that I've seen pop up in the chat room these past couple of days. We are live here usually every Monday through Friday, except for when I'm traveling or have holidays. I take off all of the federal holidays. But uh, this is show number 867, and uh, we are barreling on towards show 1000. I got to do the calculations. That might be close to 420 next year. I'll have to find out. For everyone here at CannabisRadio.com, I'm Radical Russ. Thanks for joining us. Check out CannabisRadio.com for more great podcasts from the best in the marijuana industry and activism. Hemp Present with Vivian McPeak, Burning Issues with Dr. Mitch Earlywine, The Grow Show with Cal Cushman, Cannabis Confidential with Dr. Dina. There's all that and more. NCIA has a show now. I'm Radical Russ. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth.